My name is Michael. I'm glad to be with you. We've been in a series that, oh, cool. Awesome. Thank you. We've been in a series that we've called First Things First, and um, we, we took it from the title of that song, um, but also because our, our, as we were learning the words of Jesus last week, he says, if you, if you are, are anxious about the things of the world, um, if you put first things first, seek first the kingdom of God, then all of those things that you were anxious about will actually be added to you. And so we've been trying to examine what are, our, what are the priorities that Jesus would like for us to focus on in order to live what he calls like um, uh, life in abundance. Jesus says, I came that people may have life and have it to the full or in abundance. So how can we set up our priorities in order to do that? Um, and uh, to kind of get us kick-started, I have a riddle for you, and uh, I'll just apologize on the front end for the quality of the riddle because I made it up, um, so it's not really good, but I hope it'll get to the point. What is so close to you that you possess it your whole life and never look upon it? What is so close to you that you possess it your whole life and never look upon it? Your heart? Oh, that's a good one. Your brain? Okay. All right. You guys are on the right track. It's, it's your face. Like, you, you have a face. Your whole life long, you have your face, and you have never actually seen your face. You've seen reflections of it. You've seen pictures of it. But uh, it's always been, in some instances, it's been some variety of, like, static. Like, it's stuck. So you're looking at a reflection, but it's a solid, like it's the same lighting conditions, blah, 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 blah. But, if, but you cannot experience your face in all of the ways that maybe your parents can experience your face. Or maybe your spouse can experience your face. And I remember when somebody pointed this out to me that I had never seen my face, and I never would. Like, I was mildly offended. <laughs> like, what do you mean I can't see my face? Like, because I feel like my face is... Mine, like it's a, it's a defining characteristic of me. Like it's something that I feel personally attached to, right? And so it's like, well, you've never actually seen it. Well, I don't really like that idea. But there's this, there's this uh, thing where we think that when we own something, like that we have mastery over it, we have, we have the perfect perspective on everything that it does. But um, if, if you're married, like you know, your spouse knows your face better than you do. And they can, hey, you just button that up. Like you... You don't know what it is that you're letting out to, to the world. Like, you need to, to control that. Um, sometimes we are the people that have the worst perspective on ourselves. And in those instances, when we come to those points, uh, we need somebody else to give us some, some insight and some feedback. And I think that's kind of going to get to the heart of, of what Jesus is teaching. You might remember a couple of years ago, there was a, a soap company that did a commercial that was really popular where they had uh, some ladies come into a room and they were talking to a guy. They could see him. It wasn't creepy, but he was behind a curtain. And he's asking them to describe their face. And he draws their face based upon their description. He was a forensic artist. So typically he's doing this with criminals, but he, he's describing them as they describe themselves. And then they had another group of women that came in who talked to those women. And the forensic artist had them describe the strangers they had just met. And they put the two pictures side by side. And the women are just like astonished that how they described themselves was so different from how a stranger would describe themselves. They didn't have a good perspective on what their face actually looked like. And so um, I'd like to, if we can uh, together, turn our attention to how Jesus approaches some of this. Um, some of this idea about our perspective on ourselves and on other people. Um, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. Um, 
So, but pause, don't turn there yet, because I'd like to, before we go any further, uh, ask again for uh, the Lord to be with us, give us what we need for the day. So the way that we do that at Neighborhood Church is we pray together the Disciples' Prayer. This isn't a magic spell or anything, it's just when Jesus, Jesus said, hey, if you're going to follow me, you should pray like this. And we're like, okay, cool, we'll just do what you said to do. Um, and so the words are on the screen if you'd like to do that uh, with us out loud. However, I just ask you to, um, at the very least, if you'd bow your hearts together and let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're going to be together in Matthew chapter 7, and I invite you to turn there. Um, there's some blue Bibles kind of floating around the room. There may be fewer today because I've got a stack in my office. But it's going to be on page 1013 in the blue Bibles, Matthew chapter 7, if you'd like to navigate there. And this is, uh, what, what we're looking at is actually one of Jesus' longest recorded sermons. Um, so the, the sermon starts in Matthew chapter 5 and goes to the end of chapter 7. It covers three chapters, and it's the longest single teaching that we have of Jesus. Um, and what we've done is we've kind of broken this up into smaller bite-sized chunks because he's a better preacher than me, so i got to take one of his points to be able to, to nail it. And I don't know that we do that, but we try. So Matthew chapter 7. And I'm going to read the whole uh, uh, paragraph there. I typically go verse by, like, one verse at a time, but we're going to read the whole paragraph so that we can take it all together. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Jesus says this, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you seek the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, the benefit of reading these verses together is that this is probably the only Bible verse that all your non-Christian friends know, right? Judge not lest ye be not judged. Like, don't you judge me. Um, and, and I get where we're coming from, and there's, there's a simplicity and there's a clarity to that teaching. However, I've already indicated that this is part of uh, Jesus' broader teaching. We're in the middle of a sermon, and there are other things that he says um, as, as a matter of fact, he goes on later in chapter 7 in, uh, in verses, and I can't even see him on my notes. Oh, in, in, seven, in 15, um, beware of false prophets, and he gives this whole paragraph about how you will know people by the fruit of their lives. You should, you should judge people about like, whether they're good or they're bad based upon the fruit that they produce. So, so a couple of paragraphs down, within the same sermon, Jesus is saying you ought to judge people by their fruit, but here he's saying judge not lest you be judged. And so what is it that we're supposed to do? Like, are we supposed to judge or are we supposed to not judge? Like, it seems pretty clear, like, judge not that ye be not judged. Like, 
okay, that's what I want to do. I want to not be judgy. Um, but there's, uh, I think perhaps, uh, there's a different way that we can, uh, that we can kind of wrap our heads around this. Um, there's, a, there's a sense of judging in order to be discerning, which I think is actually necessary. We actually cannot operate life without discernment, judging for discerning. Um, if you decided that I'm not going to judge and so I'm not going to judge, so, so you actually functionally cannot drive because when you try to pull out of here, there's going to be cars coming both ways and you can't tell if you've got enough time to get there or there and you've decided in your heart of hearts that you're not going to judge, so you're just going to pull out and you're going to get T-boned because you couldn't tell that they were closer because you chose not to judge, right? That's silly. That's not what he's talking about. We have to have some discernment, but what he's uh, telling us here is, is judging, do not judge in order to condemn, to issue a statement of judging and condemnation. Now, Jesus is the perfect judge over all creation. Like, he, he's, he is the one with the gavel. And ultimately, all of us will stand before him. Um, he will go on to say that later in, in the, or he's recorded as saying that later in the book of Matthew in chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. He's real clear. I'm the judge here. When I come back, I'm coming with a gavel and I'm going to decide. And so the, 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 the hinge point of judge not that ye be not judged is that ye be judged. You, you can't actually get out of being judged. Like it's going to happen. And so what is... What are, what are we doing here? I feel like I'm just making it more and more confusing, right? Jesus is, is, is a judge, but his passion is not for condemnation. Jesus is the judge, but he is not passionate about condemnation. We uh, may be familiar with uh, his teaching in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have ev everlasting life. Are we familiar with that? The next verse is 17. Surprise. Uh, 17. Uh, the Son came into the world not to condemn the world, but in order that the world through him might be saved. So he comes as an expression of God's love, and he comes as a righteous judge, but his purpose, the thing that he's passionate about, is not condemnation, but saving. He wants to save people. And he teaches us that the way that we should interact with God, and, and subsequently each other, is that we should ask God to forgive us as we have forgiven others. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. There's an assumption built in there that we are going to be compassionate and that we are going to be gracious and we are going to forgive and we are going to go the extra mile. And we're going to, it's so assumed that we're going to do that that we're going to ask God to, to treat us the same way that we treat other people. And that's where I get real frustrated with Jesus. Because I'm like, you could have done this so that I did not have to like, be so convicted every time I pray, Right? Like, you could have said, like, just, God, help us to forgive people uh, with your forgiveness, not with ours. But no, it's like, no, 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 God, you forgive me the way that I forgive other people. And now the microscope's on me. I'm like, well, I don't know that I can do this. What do our thoughts sound like as we're meeting and interacting with other people? Like if, if you could, and I, this would, I don't know that I would like this, but if you could hook a speaker up to your head, and all your thoughts started coming out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do your thoughts sound like? Do your thoughts lean towards 
discernment, which I do think is valid and he's going to advocate for later, do our thoughts lean towards discernment of other people? Or are, is that discernment corrupted into condemnation? As we're, as we're interacting with people, as we're hearing them uh, talk about the, the crises that they find themselves in, are we discerning and we can see where they're at and what they're going through? And are, are our hearts moved towards compassion for them? Or can we see where they're at and what they're going through? And you're, you're just an idiot. Like, don't you know this is your fault? Like, you deserve what you get. Come on now. You reap what you sow. That's in the Bible, right? Do our thoughts towards others lean towards discernment? Or condemnation, judge not, lest ye, uh, uh, that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Would we be comfortable if our own like criteria of criticism were applied to ourselves? At, at risk of causing conflict in my home uh, later this afternoon, I am more concerned that my children keep their room clean than I am that I keep mine clean. I want them to make sure that their clean clothes get put away properly, but my basket can sit on the end of my bed for months, and I'm okay with that. For the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So then he gives uh, kind of this graphic illustration. Oh, so let me say, our, our, our big idea for the morning is it's not our job to fix everyone, so examine yourself. It's not our job to fix everyone. But the instruction is to examine ourselves, to start here. I can't fix you, but I'm going to start here. And, and there's, <laughs> yeah, I, I won't get into all the tension that I feel as a preacher. Like, let, let, let me just say that I also am wrestling with this. Um, I, I identify with your uncomfortableness. Um, Jesus goes on to give kind of a graphic illustration that OSHA would be really concerned about. So let me just say that if you're working with words, you need to make sure you have the appropriate safety goggles on. Um, but he says, why do you see the, see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? So we're, we're in the wood shop, Right and you're, you're running the table saw or something, and like there's some kickback, and you got like a big plank sticking, you got a giant plank sticking out of your eyeball. Like it's just, it's there. And you look over, and there's a little bit of sawdust in your, in your, in your friend's eye, and you're like, how can you see like that? How, what, what is wrong with you? Can't you see? You got some, you got some, some dust in your eye. You have a, a, a log hanging out of your face. And you're over there squinting with your one good eye going, I can't believe you can live like that. What kind of person are you? Don't you know that God gave you eyeballs and you're supposed to use them to glorify him and you should keep them clean? Shouldn't you be wearing goggles? It's kind of, it's kind of graphic, right? And it's extreme, but he's saying, look, like if you took the log out of your own eye, then you could probably see to help your brother. Now, 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 let me pause here because the, the thing that, that we get in trouble for as Christians is like, well, you're being real judgy. Like, you're just judgy all the time. Don't judge me lest you be judged, which I understand. But Jesus does not let us off the hook from helping one another. He's not saying take the log out of your own eye and go sit in dust and ashes and cry before God about how terrible a person you are. So take the log out of your own guy and then help your brother. So, like, if somebody's coming along and they're like, hey, bro, you got some sawdust? 
I've, I've, I've looked at my log. Like, I've, I know I've got some issues. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I'm just saying there's, I just noticed there's a thing here. And I think you could probably see better if, if, you, if, if you took that. Can I help you with that? It's not a, you don't get to make any kind of value or judgment statements at all. But it's a look to yourself first. It's not your job to fix everyone. So examine yourself. Jesus intends to use us to help one another see clearly. On, on the night before he was crucified, um, he knows this is coming. So he's, he's been with his disciples, the, the 12, for, for three years. He's taught them. He's walked with them. They've been on road trips together. They've cast out demons. Like, they're tight. You've seen the chosen. <clears throat> they're close. And on the night when he knows that he's getting ready to leave, he says, the master teacher, the one who knows how people work and how people understand things, the master teacher says, I, I need to leave you with something. I need you to understand what my life was about. And how does he choose to start that lesson? He gets down on his knees, wraps a towel around his waist, and he washes their feet. Jesus expects for us, as one another, to, to do that for one another, to be involved. Jesus intends to use us in uh, helping one another see clearly. But in order to have even the ability to do that, we've got to look at ourselves first. The thing is, if there was, an eye, like, if there was a, a plank in my eye, like, I, don't, I don't know what my perspective would be. Because I've had sawdust in my eyes, and it feels like a plank. Right? Like, I'm just, uh, all the time. And, and Jessie's got allergies, and she's allergic to our dog, and God bless her heart, like, she just, her eyes puff up like crazy. You can't find, like, the one little hair that's making her eyes run. So it's like, I don't know. I've never seen my face. I don't know what actually is the thing that I need. But I know I need to examine myself. And, and perhaps my brother with the sawdust in his eye can see better than me about how to help me with my plank. More so, uh, James, um, Jesus' brother, will write later on that the Bible is a mirror for our soul. That as we come to the Bible, it reads us as much as we read it. And, and, and to interact with the Bible and to walk away from the Bible, um, not doing anything that the Bible says, says that we're like a person who looks in a mirror and sees all this gunk all over our face and then just walks out the door and forgets to like clean the bugs off, you know? It's uncomfortable, but will we make time to sit in front of our spiritual mirror and examine ourselves? It's a lot easier to gripe and complain about what's going on on Twitter, or the, the crazy ways that the politics, blah, blah, blah. Jesus said, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And perhaps we might summarize these verses that sufficient for repentance is my own sin. I don't need to try to fix out everybody else's problem. I don't need to be upset about everybody else's issues if I haven't yet first come and sat before Jesus and examined myself. It's not our job to fix everyone. So examine yourself. He gives this clarification, um, which... I'm not, I, like, this is probably the stickiest part of, like, how do, I, how do I understand what he's doing here? 
Do not, in verse 6, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Um, so there's a couple things that we can do here. First, uh, let's, I want to grab on to the things that I'm, I'm confident about. He says, okay, you've got, you've got <clears throat> what is holy and you've got pearls. So you've got these, these things of value, things that are holy, uh, which is a church word, but it just means something that's set apart. The quickest way I can explain it to you is you have a toothbrush that is holy to your teeth, and you have a toothbrush that's usually kept under the kitchen sink that is designated for unholiness, right? You've got one that cleans the grout, and you've got one that's cleaned the teeth. That's holiness, okay? So you don't take things that are holy and throw them before dogs, and you don't take what is valuable, pearls, and, and, and throw them to pigs, because they're, they're creatures. They just want to eat, Right? And so you can th- give them those things that are, that are of value. They are real. Like holiness is actually a thing. And we've already learned that investments in spiritual health are secure and guaranteed. So, to, so holy things are not, are not worthless. But to somebody who's just operating in a worldly mindset, I can't eat it. But I can eat you. Like, don't give me that because I can't eat it. But I'm going to turn and I'm going to bite you and I'm going to attack you because I get something out of that. Right? So, so does this mean that we should just like, there's a certain class of people that we should just not spend any time with or talk to? Like that, that sounds like the opposite of, of the judgy thing. Like there's discernment, yeah, but like I think, I think what he's p- pointing at or what he's picking at is that we actually don't know, as much as we think we know about ourselves or our own faith, we actually don't know exactly what it is that God's doing in somebody else. And sometimes as you share truth with them, um, they're going to reject it, and you don't know what chapter of their life they're in. Like, if I think of my life as a book, um, if you met me in certain chapters of my life, you think, this guy's hopeless. For, for one way or another. This guy's hopeless. He thinks he's got it all together. He's walking on water. He thinks he glows in the dark. Like, that guy's a jerk. I don't want to spend any time with him. So thank you to the, the people that walked with me through those seasons. But, uh, it's not the chapter I'm in right now, and I don't know what the next chapter will be. There's times where God, like, sets you up for something that's next, and you're like, I wish I hadn't been ready for this. <laughs> Like, probably the, 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 the sweetest time that I had, like, alone with the Lord was the day before I put my father in an ambulance and he never came home. It's like, why did you prep me for this? Like, I don't want if to, if spending time with you makes me ready for all of this suffering, I don't know that that's something that I want. Can we, can we just, like, have a business relationship here? And God's like, no, you can't. And there's times where we share things with people and they're just not, they can't receive it or they're not sure and we're just like blah, blah, blah. Like we don't know how to, and we want to fix it. Like I see I've got this thing that's going to be helpful to you if you would just take it and use it. He's saying don't like dump that out. Maybe offer it. Hey, I got this thing. And if they're not interested in that, okay, I've, I've still got it. I'm going to take care of this. I'm here for you when you're ready. I'm here for you. I'm not, I'm not writing you off. I'm not saying, you know, you reap what you sow. Good luck with that. I'm saying, hey, I've got, I've got this hope. I don't have it all figured out, but I've got this hope, this, this Jesus guy. 
And I think it, not only would he help your situation, but I think he'd actually like give you a, a better quality of life. You don't want, okay, I'm, I'm here. Like that's, I, I, I feel bad sometimes because people will come to me for advice. Oh, you're a pastor, give me your advice. And I feel bad because I only have one advice. Like it's, it's Jesus. <laughs> like I actually don't have the ability to fix your problems, but like go and spend some time with him. Like let's, let's see what he has to say about your situation. I don't, I'm not actually that, that clever. Like let's just copy Jesus. Like that's, that's what I got. So if you want to come to me for counseling, that's, that's what I got, okay? But there's times where, I, where people will say, hey, there's a, I, I have this situation, it's going on, there's these conflicts and these resolutions that I've tried and it hasn't worked this way. I said, okay, well, um, do you want to know like, how the scriptures talk about that? Well, no, I don't care about the Bible, I just want to fix the problem. Okay, well, that's literally all I have for you. I, I, I can't get into all these hypotheticals of what if, what if, what if, what if, because I, I can't see that far. And I really only have a small segment of information. I have what you're telling me. And there's, there's your side, and there's somebody else's side, and then there's whatever it is that's actually happening. Right? And so is it, do you want to know how God would like address this? Well, I, I guess I am interested, but I'm probably not going to do it. Cool. Like, I'll, let me share that with you. I didn't do anything that you said to do, or I didn't do anything the Bible said to do. Like, uh-huh, I love you so much. But there's times where people will come to us and, and they'll say stuff, and we just get worked up, we're mad about it, we get offended. And I feel like, if we're following Jesus, that we probably should be the most unoffendable people possible. Like, we should be able to just let people be where they're at, doesn't mean that we sacrifice truth. It doesn't mean that we say, like, I, I don't, like, it's not that we don't have an idea of what Jesus says, but it's like, let me hear where you're at. Like, let me give you a full hearing so that I can ask, like, do you want to know? Because sometimes people don't want to know. Does our patience with others reflect Jesus' posture? Is really, I think, what it comes down to. Does our patience with others reflect Jesus' posture? I want to say this just for like a kid nation, but I think we can all hear it well. Jesus was God. He literally knew everything. And he submitted and obeyed parents who did not. God knew, or Jesus knew everything that he had done perfectly, had excellent recall and yet sat in a room of people hurling false accusations at him and willingly submitted to their lies in order that he might accomplish his purpose. It's not our job to fix everyone. But we can start here. And as we wrestle with, like, how do we put first things first, um, I'd say the first thing first is to spend some time with Jesus and the mirror of Scripture. Say, I don't, I don't need to fix that person, even though they seem, they, they really seem like they're my problem today. Lord, what's, what's my part in this? How can I honor you in this situation? It's not our job to fix everyone, so examine yourself. Let's pray.
Lord, you know my weakness. Um, you know where we've been in this text this week. And so, um, Lord, I pray if there's anything that I've said this morning that's my own opinion or simply a distraction, God, would you um, uh, let that blow away real quick and be forgotten? But Lord, where, uh, where your word has been presented, would that stand true? Hold fast in our hearts. There's a way that we can come to this text that we can weasel our way out of taking it seriously. And I pray that you'd protect us from that. Lord, as we feel the work that you're doing in us, the surgery that you're trying to work, that Lord, we'd submit to that, that we would let you have your way. We know you've said that it's the, the Holy Spirit's job in the world to bring conviction that people might repent. And so, Lord, where we're convicted, would you help us to turn to you? We don't have it all together, even when we know the right answers, we don't live them out. And so, we need you. Every step of the way, we need you. representatives of your, your body. We're representatives of your church. And there are a lot of folks that have carried a lot of injury and a lot of hurt that they have received from the church. And so, Lord, we just pray that we'd reflect your posture. And we pray that you would give grace and mercy. God, that you would bring healing places where people who should have known better didn't. Lord, in all the ways of our weakness that you would show yourself strong. That our lives might point not to ourselves or our organization or whatever, but that our lives would point to you. We want to learn from you. We want to walk in step with you. Would you teach us to follow? It's in your name that we pray. Thank you.